Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Good evening to you, our listener. Welcome to Law Focus on Rao FM 88.1. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Tap Mahapi and I'm with Millicent Ndiweni and together we're your hosts for the show that aims to deal with issues relating to legal matters. We're here to inform you about your legal rights as well as have conversations about current issues within the law fraternity. Tonight we'll be wrapping up our two-part series on the topic of gender-based violence. Now just to give you a recap, last week we spoke to Francesca Fonsa, a gender-based violence survivor and also the founder of the Women Integral Impact Network, WIN for short, and that's an organization that deals with gender-based violence cases and femicide right across the Republic. She opened up on various issues, chief of which was the psychological effect of abuse and importantly as well, legal frustrations that she faced while trying to get help. Talking about Francesca's legal frustrations, we're going to end this series for now by focusing on the legal fraternity and discussing the issues on whether the justice system is really in support of GBV victims or does it fall short of what we expect from the justice system. Violence against women in our country remains rampant, irrespective of the human rights-based laws which are passed by the sovereign government. Now, we have two very important acts which come into play here. And one is the Domestic Violence Act, and the other is the Sexual Offences and Related Matters Act. Many cases of rape and sexual violence are reported on a daily basis, but only a fraction of these cases are successfully prosecuted and result in a conviction. And it leads one to wonder whether human rights-focused legislation, as enacted by our government, is really failing to protect the women and children of this country from domestic violence and abuse. Is the South African law in place effective enough to punish uh, the abusers and to prevent gender-based violence against women? But before we get into this very difficult and deep topic, let's have a look at what uh, the legal stories of the week are. Here are legal hotspots. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, of the, stories of the week is legal hotspots. Judgment of the forfeiture application against the Gupta Link Company has been delayed. Uh, the judgment in the forfeiture application against the Gupta Link Company Regiments Capital has been delayed by more than a month. According to Vinet Vakfirin Quintas Justice Betty Mahalelo of the Johannesburg High Court said she wasn't quite ready to hand down judgment yet. The judgment date has been rescheduled for the 15th of October. The NPA is actually in this matter applying for a 1.6 billion rand forfeiture order, which is already the subject of a preservation order. The Gupta Link Company obtained these funds allegedly for advisory services to Transnet, as well as remuneration for investment advice to the distressed Transnet second defined benefit fund. Uh, going down to the Cape, the former Steinhoff boss, Marcus Joester, strikes back against his former employer. Again, according to Netwerk 24, the former uh, Steinhoff boss, Marcus Joester, is striking back against his former employer by challenging Steinhoff's refusal to hand over an audit report from PricewaterhouseCoopers. The Joester has approached the Western Cape High Court with an interlocutory application on the issue. Now, Steinhoff is claiming that the document is privileged and it has added Joester as a third party in a number of cases in which the group is being sued. This has resulted in Joester applying in terms of uniform rules of court for discovery of the PWC report as it is referred to in court papers. Salama A. Spotgieter, that is Joester's attorney, 
says in the latest bid to get access to the report, report cannot be privileged as PwC was instructed by staying off board to conduct the investigation. She further argues that PwC was not instructed by the staying off lawyers to do the investigation and the report therefore cannot be privileged. On the other hand, Steinhoff insists that Yuster does not need the report to draft his answering paper. And something perhaps a little bit closer to home for myself, a former Johannesburg attorney is charged for fraud in the road accident fund money. News 24 has reported that a former Johannesburg attorney has appeared in their Palm Bridge Magistrates Court on charges of fraud amounting to 662,000 rand. The Hawks have arrested Luan Zerfanuel Mkondo following allegations that he misappropriated road accident fund money that was supposed to be paid to his client. His client was a cyclist who was knocked over by a truck in March 1998, so 22 years ago. And now that the client's living with a disability, quite a severe one, I understand. More than 1.2 million rand has allegedly been paid into Mkondo's trust account by the RAF. And in August 2008, his client was allegedly only paid in a total amount of 200,000 rand. The 48-year-old Mkondo was released on 5,000 rand bail and his case is scheduled to continue on the 6th of October. Rounding up all, all the top, all stories, the top of the stories of the week is Legal Hotspots. Law Focus, ending you your rights. Welcome back to the show. If you've just joined us tonight, we're discussing the increase of gender-based violence cases during lockdown. When suggested in statistics that every fourth or fifth household in any suburb experiences domestic violence. And now taking into account many areas in the city of overcrowding in homes of perhaps two or three families. In addition, there are also backyard dwellers. And so the numbers are probably much, much worse and probably exacerbated by that situation. We also believe that alcohol abuse is a big contributing factor towards gender-based violence. And yes, indeed, thank you so much for tuning in to Vive F88.1. During the five and four lockdown restrictions, many gender-based violence victims were unable to have easy access to GPV support services. Some non-government organizations that provide support to GPV survivors have stated that initially, immediately after lockdown, there was a deepening silence around applications for assistance. The decrease, however, could have been due to the fact that women and children were sadly then locked into their homes with the perpetrators with no income, no mobile phones, or no funding for airtime. Tonight we speak to Percy Babela from Legal Aid. Welcome to Law Focus, Percy. Did I pronounce your surname correctly? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. How can one protect themselves legally when they're a victim of gender-based violence? What is the protection there that is afforded to such people? Yes, uh, well, if uh, someone is a victim of a gender-based violence, now I'm talking from the view of the law, the legal procedure. Um, someone who's uh, been abused, he or she may approach the domestic violence court and seek um, what we call a protection order or restraining order. But I just wanted to just make a follow-up quickly. The correct terminology, would it be victim, would it be survivor? What is actually more appropriate? Well, um, the terminology used in terms of, uh, you know, the legal uh, terminology, um, that person, the victim is called a complainant and the perpetrator is called a respondent in the domestic violence application or an application for protection order when the matter is before court. We've seen a real outrage 
and a growing outrage, on, particularly on social media platforms. Uh, and many people will say, but gender-based violence perpetrators are difficult to get in front of court, are difficult to get your hands on, and that to some extent the law protects the perpetrator perhaps a little bit more than the victim. What's your take on this point of view? And do you think this narrative is accurate or can be shifted? You know, I, I believe people should learn to understand um, how the whole process is handled. More particularly when the, when the matters are before the courts of law, people should understand to, you know, should, should learn to understand the legal processes uh, to be followed so that they have a better understanding on how GBV is dealt with or is handled in terms of the law. So I think that is the first point. And, you know, the narrative um, that perpetrators seems to be more protected in terms of the law, I think that narrative is incorrect. It can be shifted by, you know, uh, basically uh, educating these people. And um, that will be done via stuff like your community outreach programs, which are conducted by various stakeholders um, that are involved in a fight against the gender-based violence. I think that that, that is basically that uh, people should learn to understand the process. Mm. And, and based on your response then, how do you personally evaluate, um, you know, legally how the law deals with gender-based violence? Are we in the right direction? Is it good? Is it not so good? I mean, out of 10, would you give it a higher score or a lower score? What's your evaluation? I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Mm. I'm taking your point about you need to understand um, how the law works, right? Um, So I'm saying, how do you evaluate how the law deals with gender-based violence? Is it good the way the law deals with this? Or is it bad? Can more be done, you know, to raise awareness about it, to deal with how GBV cases are dealt with within the law? Well, I believe generally the, the, the law deals with the, with the issue of GBV, you know, in a, in a correct manner. I think, yes, people should, should, should you know, uh, especially the victims of the GBV, um, those victims should bear, should they should break the silence of the uh, gender-based violence. They must report those cases to you know the law enforcement um, authorities, so that the matters can be dealt with uh, swiftly. The problem is that some of the victims they they become silent, and they don't want to um, report these incidents. Uh, you know, for for various reasons, probably. So um, as far as I'm concerned, I think the law deals with the issues uh, in the correct manner. I mean, um, gender-based violence has been uh, at the top of our list of things to tackle as a country for a while now. Yes. But since the beginning of lockdown, in your opinion, uh, has the situation around gender-based violence improved or has it gotten worse since the start of this COVID and lockdown, etc.? Is it better now or is it worse? I think uh, it's now worse because there's a source which uh, shows that uh, over 1,400 cases are opened in Gauteng since the start of the, of the national lockdown. So the majority of those uh, GPV cases are reported in places like Jobek, 
Swani City Bank, West Rand, and Ekurleni. So I believe the the cases um, have increased since the beginning of the lockdown. Um, looking at that increase, I don't know whether you know you've seen other statistics and compared with other provinces. Would Gauteng be the one that has the you know the biggest problem? Do you think compared to other provinces? Yes, I believe so far Gauteng has you know the serious GPV issues. As I've already indicated that uh, most uh, particularly since the start of the national lockdown, I think there's a number of, I know, increase in our GPV cases in, in Gauteng province. As far as uh, other provinces are concerned, I think the, the numbers are still very low compared to Gauteng province. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Very pleased to tell you that our social media is up and running. And we always appreciate engaging with you. The platforms where we are available are Twitter, using the handle at VowFM and the hashtag LawFocus. On Facebook, we are VowFM. For podcasts, you can visit vits.journalism.co.za forward slash law or the Vits Radio Canopy page on Iona. We asked some of you to share your views on gender-based violence and what you think about justice system whether it's more leaning towards the perpetrator or does it really help the victim? This is what you had to say. As women, we are not your umbogoto. Let's start there. We are human, made of flesh, and we definitely bleed. GBV is a profound and widespread crisis that needs to be attended to immediately. The government is almost idling. Being women in this country is like having a permanent target on your back. At every corner you turn to, in every street in this country, you will never feel safe. And you constantly worry if you are next. What if some random stranger in a post office decides that I am suitable pickings for his pleasure just to enact violence on my body? It is the first pandemic globally, not the second, as Cyril said, and is an ugly reminder that we continue to suffer under the thumb of patriarchy in this country. Being women in this country is suffering. Hi, my name is Natasha Langa. Um, so gender-based violence for me, I feel it's the country's top priority at the moment. Um, we are facing so many struggles like corruption and racism. And I feel that same energy that we're putting towards these issues, I feel we should be applying that same but higher energy onto gender-based violence because the numbers are not dropping. We are increasingly seeing women being abused, being killed by people that we consider our brothers, our fathers, our husbands. So I feel, as the president announced a few months ago, that it is a national crisis. And I feel there's really nothing that I'm seeing that's being implemented towards um, this matter. Our system, I feel they're also not really taking the victims seriously. They're not dealing with the perpetrators accordingly as well. So I feel there should be harsh measures that should be put to deal with these perpetrators something as harsh as the death penalty even if that must come back honestly I think then we would see some difference or see a change in our country
Masse Mukapilo and my views on gender-based violence. This whole gender-based violence situation is something that we as a country are dealing with and it's one of the biggest battles that we are faced with on a daily basis. And the judicial system is not even trying to help victims because perpetrators are still walking around here as if they have done nothing wrong and as women in south africa we don't even feel safe walking down the street in your own street it's very scary to be a woman in south africa in this day and age good day my name is Mpomohwade. let us talk just for a moment about a serious pandemic facing south africa and in particular towards women Yes, I dare call it a pandemic because each and every single hour, every minute, a woman is abused. It's called gender-based violence and how the justice system is failing our women. From the time you report the crime to the time you go to the courts, it feels like you have been abused all over again. We've heard the statement all over and over and over again from victims or survivors of gender-based violence. Right now, the state, the government, they need to take the fight serious and ensuring that no one will get out of jail and a consideration of the death penalty being reinstated should be a topic and it should be something that is considered just to make sure that the lives of innocent souls are not affected. And here moving forward, we all deserve a future. And no one, no one should have their life been taken away simply because they had a disagreement about how they should live theirs. Thank you. My name is Warabit My view is that gender-based violence is a huge problem in South Africa. In fact, it is a pandemic. I mean, someone kills you today and tomorrow is out on bail and moves on with life as if nothing happened. And the sad part about this is that our judicial system is always on the perpetrator's side. I mean, it's like uh, women's lives don't matter anymore. Men have reduced women to objects, and they see nothing wrong with that. I feel that our government needs to act decisively in strengthening and introducing harsher sentences for perpetrators. Hi, my name is Teresa Kekana. Um, I am absolutely against gender-based violence. I think it's horrific to say the least um i don't think our judicial system you know is really helping the situation they are definitely very lenient towards the perpetrators um i mean i've heard it being said that a lot of times these perpetrators they kill women or they kill their victims because it's better to go to court with a dead victim than than one who's alive because your chances of walking free are much higher so it definitely says a lot about our judicial system um i do think that the system can be looked at um definitely changed in a way that is fair because right now it does not seem fair at all it seems very one-sided um and yeah that's that's my thoughts about gbv hi my name is palisa modisani the increase in the rate of the gender-based violence is becoming very alarming in South Africa of late. In fact, I feel like the system in place to protect victims is not enforced enough for them to get the justice they deserve. I mean, if we lived in a world where we have law-abiding citizens, victims of gender-based violence wouldn't need protection to begin with. 
Many survivors of the violence do not tell anyone about the experience because of various reasons, one of them be it to be judged or fear of being killed by the perpetrators. The gender-based violence is a very serious thing, and I feel it is necessary for the government to sit down, review the process, and come up with strong measures to help stop it. Not to prevent it, but to stop it. Hi, it's Tabo Mjato here. When it comes to the South African judicial system and gender-based violence, there is a perception I think has been created that it tends to be more lenient in a way in terms of sentencing towards perpetrators. And in the worst of ways, it tends to find itself in a position where it once again re-traumatizes the, the victim by basically placing them in a position where they're supposed to relay and give an account again of all the traumatic events while being hammered by a defense attorney. And in so many ways, I think that so much can be done better. And perhaps one of the things is we need to really improve our special courts that are targeted at gender-based violence in a way that supports the victim, rather, and in a way that still protects the rights of the perpetrator. Hi, my name is Tanda Tuta, and I believe that the criminal justice system is extremely lenient uh, to perpetrators, especially where gender-based violence is concerned. Perpetrators serve very short sentences, and secondly, they're reincorporated into our communities, uh, having not been rehabilitated adequately um, in, during their time under correctional supervision. What also needs to be considered is that the role players uh, in resolving issues that surround gender-based violence are always prone to side with the perpetrator, um, which is natural when one considers Section 35 of the Constitution, which says every accused person is innocent until proven guilty at trial. However, role players, the police, the presiding officers, the prosecutors, and several other role players, key role players, um, don't view gender-based violence seriously enough. And secondly, the system is operated by men, which naturally means that, you know, the, the women and the roles that women could play are so limited, and that really has a profound impact um, on how gender-based violence is addressed as a whole. Law Focus, ending you your rights. A big portion of our listenership is um, young people, and particularly young women. And so what advice would you, practical advice would you give to a young lady? And it's, I mean, normally the, 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 the victims of gender-based violence are, are women and the perpetrators are men. Um, yeah. Um, there's no need to be gender neutral about it. What advice would you give to a young lady who is in a situation right now where they are being abused, whether it's economic or physical or social or whatever the case may be, and they don't know what to do about it? Where can they go and what, you know, what advice can you give them right here and right now? Uh, thank you for the question. The advice that I will give to the young ladies uh, who are suffering in, in the hands of their boyfriends, their partners, their husbands, is that they must break the silence of a GPV. And in breaking that silence, it, you know, it, it saves their lives. And they should go and report these uh, cases to the relevant authorities. We have platforms like your domestic violence courts, your police stations, 
where the victims can uh, report this uh, kind of uh, incidents. So these young ladies, they should break the silence, report these incidents. Because it happens that in, in most cases, they suffer from these uh, acts of domestic violence. Now the partner or the boyfriend comes, he apologizes, he buys some nice flowers for the victim, you know, and the victim, you know, accepts the apology. But the problem is, if the perpetrator has, you know, a tendency of abusing women, he will not stop. After the apology is taken by the victim, now the perpetrator uh, will most probably repeat that uh, act of a GPD. So young ladies should report these incidents. They should break the silence for them to be safe. What about, you know, there's a lot of public outrage, and I guess in some ways, People want to try and help in some way, you know, trying to raise awareness, how do we deal with this issue? So would you say that things like demonstrations, dialogues, petitions, you know, do those kind of um, interventions somewhat assist in tackling gender-based violence? And what's what's your reason for your answer? I think they do um, assist, but then to a certain extent, I believe the most important aspect is for the victims to report these incidents and also the law enforcement authorities must act swiftly immediately when these incidents are reported. I mean, um, again, stuff like your you know, community outreach programs uh, in which you teach you know, the community at large, especially men who are mostly the perpetrators of this violence, um, they should be aware that this GBV is a, is a serious problem. You know, as our president has said, that, that this is a, now has become, you know, a pandemic in our country. So most importantly, this incident should be reported and the law enforcement agencies uh, must act very swiftly when these cases are reported. You know, one of the criticisms that exist, and I suppose as an attorney, I would make that criticism myself. Yeah. But our justice system sometimes almost re-abuses the, the victim because when they arrive at court, they must arrive there and convince a judge or a magistrate that this has happened to me and sometimes there isn't a lot of sensitivity around it and you have yeah. to sometimes go into quite serious details, etc., etc. It can put people off. Do we have measures or anything like that, you know, what can you advise people about that aspect of it? Is it as scary as what people say it is? And uh, is there a way of helping individuals to go through reporting and then following through with their charges or applications right through to the end and not having to feel as traumatized as what they have been in the past? I don't believe the judiciary per se is the problem. As I've already mentioned that some of the victims, uh, they report these uh, incidents and they go to courts, but then later at the end of the day, they withdraw the charges. I think we have uh, stuff like your clerks at court. Those people, I can assure you, they are very friendly, especially when handling uh, victims of uh, these kinds of uh, violence. The courts also have, you know, facilities to accommodate those victims. I mean, some of them, they need privacy. Our judiciary has, you know, such facilities to accommodate the victims. They can, you know, freely talk to the clerk uh, responsible for these kind of cases. And when the matter is heard in court, I also believe the victims are, you know, um, free to just to relate their story. 
there's no pressure on the victims. But again, most importantly, when the victims approaches the courts in this kind of incidents, once the application is completed at the court level, what is usually done is the court issues what we call an interim protection order. So that now that order can be served, that order is enforced, is binding, and the order will be uh, served on the respondent, which is now the perpetrator. And from that process, that court order is binding, but then again, they're going to give the perpetrator an opportunity to come to court and state his case. That is where now there's a Latin term called Audi uh, Alteram Partem Rule, which simply means uh, both parties will be afforded an opportunity to, to state their case. I mean, courts are very accommodative. I don't see any reason why should the victims you know, feel scared or ashamed to handle these matters in court. Just another thing for dear listener, if you are in that situation and you are in court, the court is not open court, okay? It will be closed to the public. So you do not have to testify in front of 20 or 30 people. Just be a yeah. handful of people as well, okay? So you must bear that in mind. Yeah. Well, it still sounds like it's a really scary experience to honestly have to go through. And I think there's a lot of complex matters involved here. Um, but, you know, last question to you, Percy. Yeah. Do you personally think that, you know, South Africa will ever end the scourge of gender-based violence or does it look like we have a long long way to go you know is there light at the end of the tunnel are we far from it um just to answer that question i think as long as the victims do not report these cases or they later withdraw the cases which were opened against the perpetrators this GBV issue will not end now. Hence, I've already indicated that perpetrators have, you know, the tendency of uh, repeating these kind of things. So it's important that once a victim opens a case against a perpetrator, she must pursue that case until its finality. Um, I believe in that way, it can also, you know, um, help, you know, in, in winning the battle against the GBV uh, cases. Well, thank you for that. And um, that was Percy Bapella from Legal Aid. And he was sharing his knowledge about um, the legal position around uh, gender-based violence and the processes and recourse that's available to you. Thank you, Percy, for your time. We really appreciate it. Ultimately, uh, it is within my and your ability to stop in as much as, yes, the state can provide us with the facilities, can provide us with... Um, police services, the courts, make them closed, all of those kinds of things, protection orders. It's you and me, the man, the men in this country who can really put in yes. and say, but we are no longer willing to put up with this, do it, or put up with someone else doing it. And that's, I suppose, the, the outtake that we must get from what we're learning today. It is really, it is enough. Yes, we are, we are tired. Enough is enough. So just a message to all the men out there who have the potential to commit uh, this kind of uh, acts. Guys, this is really not the time. These women, you know, are very important creatures in this whole entire world. So please stop abusing women and children. Stop these uh, acts of uh, domestic violence and just for us to have a peaceful society in the country. Thanks, Percy. Thank you so much. Law Focus on Volfan 88.1 Point of Information. And that was part two of this series 
on gender-based violence, and we hope that it was informative, that you will think about what we discussed today and in the other interviews. That's it from us tonight. To our guest, Mr. Barpella, thank you for sharing your legal expertise with us. And from our producer, Rafila Mekwa, our technical producer, Kutwane Sarame, myself, Tsapo Mahapi, and Melissa Diweni, thank you once again for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your evening. Good night. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Law Focus Podcast.